Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. I pray that you're doing well. It is so good to be with you. And you know, um, I always think about what we should speak about uh, on the program. And I always want us to learn the faith. Always, always, always. But we're learning the faith in a time of increasing... um, not even apathy, just straight-out persecution. And I went through a bunch of headlines yesterday, and uh, I forget the president of some Asian country um, has ordered all his citizens to take, quote-unquote, the jab, the COVID-19 vaccine. Whoever doesn't will be put in jail. Uh, The story in England of children being taken out, homeschooling family, police coming in, taking their children out, um, and putting, dividing them two by two, and uh, putting them with Muslims who are teaching them their prayers and their religion. Um, in the United States, people being arrested for teaching against COVID vaccine, te- just teaching the truth, nothing else. Um, and uh, students not being able to go back to university if they don't have the, the, um, the vaccine, and the military... Um, it just, uh, what I'm, I, I'm, I, I should have made a list, but you know, this, you know, this, so, but it's happening so quickly. And I, I've not forgotten Hillary Clinton's statement that we can't waste a good crisis. And the crisis she was referring to was the coronavirus. And they have taken that as a plot to control the whole world. And when coronaviruses, when the virus is down in number, though thousands have been have been killed by it, thousands have been maimed for life by it, um, all kinds of things. And they said that the people, I read an article yesterday where those uh, who have been vaccinated are getting coronavirus many more times than those who have not been vaccinated. And now there's articles on the third shot and that you're going to be able to have to take it every year of your life. And it's maiming people. It's killing them. Perfectly healthy people. So we know this has little to do with a virus, which we don't claim is not real. It's real. But it has killed less people than the the yearly flu. Um those who don't get the vaccine, those who get the vaccine, huge numbers, thousands are, are killed by it. So uh, it's again, it's not a vaccine. It's a pathogen. We're guinea pigs. It's never been uh, tested long enough for human beings and all of that. You can get American Frontline Doctors is a wonderful source for it. Um, Children of God for Life, good sources on the Internet to um to get updates on this, but I thought it's blanketing the world because it's not based on a virus any longer. It's based on an evil group of people who want to abolish a good percentage of the population 
and um, and be in total control of the world and the one world order that is being put together. So it's it's simply evil. There's no good in it. And um, how do we do this? How do we warn people? Um, I think of the uh, the frog in warm water. You know, you put a frog in warm water and he's very, very happy. And you put the pot on the stove and you turn the light up ever so slowly. And he doesn't really feel the change. He adjusts to the change because that's what frogs do. They, uh, they adjust their body temperature automatically until it keeps going up and he boils to death without knowing it. Um, uh, that's certainly um, a picture for our time. But there's a, I think, a more dangerous uh, analogy or parable of our time. It is that, and I've mentioned it in the past, of a certain lily that when put in water doubles its in size each day. And so if you think of a, of a, um, uh, what, do you, what do you do? I Think of the earth. Think of the earth. Think of your backyard pool. Think of the earth. Think of anything that's whole and picture it all being a pool of water. And you put a little lily in one side and it doubles the next day. It's uh, twice as big. And the next day it's four times as big. It grows... Um, exponentially by multiplication the next day it's 8 and then 16 and then 32 and then 64 and so forth Um, and the question is if it takes the lily um, 29 days to cover half the earth 29 days to cover or cover half your backyard pool whatever you envision 29 days to cover half of the area, in how many more days will it cover the entire earth, the entire pool, the entire image that you have in your mind? And some people say, well, half in 29 days will take another 29 days, but no, I know some of you out there got that. I know this. It's one day because it's covered half the pool in one day and it doubles in size each day. It will double and cover the other half in only one day is all it needs. It's very frightening because people think today like they thought in the day of Noah, eating and drinking and reading the news and all's well. But the danger that we're in right now is is enormous. I'm not looking to scare or alarm anyone, but the fact is that the government, through its evil means, has scared the world into wearing masks. Overnight, we complied. Overnight. They've been proven not just ineffective ineffective but dangerous so um, we are a compliant people the only way to get people a herd of people a population of people a world of people to follow an evil government uh, and I'm not speaking of the United States alone uh, but it is evil um, at the at, with its present administration uh, killing babies by the million um, the only way to control a people is by fear, and we've given into it. Very, very easy. It, it takes hardly anything to make us, to control us. And now President Biden is telling everyone to report. If you see someone whose behavior is odd or dangerous, or you think um, um, could present, then you are to call and report it, it's just insane. You see someone without a mask, call and report on them. So we are 
I don't want to even say we're turning into a communist country overnight, which is true. Um, but we're we're already there. We're already there. Um, so what do we do? What do we do? And I keep. Th- we can keep learning our faith. We must because if we are underground, um, God has always saved His people through a remnant. Always throughout all of history. From the formation of Israel on, it has always been a remnant. Thousands and thousands of people, Abraham, your children will be as the sand of the sea. But then they were dwindled to a remnant um, through their disobedience and through their being captured by others because of their disobedience. And God says, if you obey me, I bless you. If you don't obey me, I curse you. And so even the state that Israel is in today is the result of their turning from God. Now, anybody can argue with me. You're free to do that, um, but that's the state they're in. They have turned from God, and um, they have no um, uh, uh, guarantee or um, uh, ability to trust in God's protection for them until they come back to God. It's the verse that God gave them in Chronicles in the Old Testament, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear their prayer and heal that, their land. That's for Israel, but it's also for us. We are Israel fulfilled in their Messiah and spread to the four corners of the earth. We are the people of God. We are the Israel of God. We are. Have we replaced physical Absolutely not. Are they still God's people? Yes. And the catechism said that the glorious Messiah's return awaits his recognition by all Israel. That is, uh, his people Israel, apart from Christ. But thousands of Israelites, thousands of Hebrews are in the church. I'm one of them. And there are many, 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 many. Um, My brother David, some of you know, heads the Association of Hebrew Catholics all over the world, and there are thousands. But the majority of Israel still does not believe. But we, in Galatians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul said, are the Israel of God. That is, Israel fulfilled in its Messiah, spread to the four corners of the earth, awaiting um, uh, the full measure of Israel to come into the church. And so we are God's people, and um, we are the people of God. So when God says, if my people will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, he's ta- talking about everyone, his people, and his people, uh, Israel uh, in the flesh, and Israel in the spirit, which is us. Um, uh, and Jesus is the Messiah of Israel, and the church is his body whom he established. So we need to turn, us who have more than any people on the face of the earth, we need to turn from our wicked ways. We have a government that several of whom, and a president and a speaker of the house who claim to be Catholic, and they are um, they are not on their way to heaven. Uh, they are going to be held greatly accountable for the evil that they are spreading and causing unless they repent and convert and turn to God. So there's the music for our break, beloved. We'll come back and I'll tell you what I've decided that would be wonderful for us to, to read and to meditate upon 
in these days. We'll be right back. Come to the St. Thomas More House of Prayer and discover the prayer that will change your life. The St. Thomas More House of Prayer is a Catholic retreat center dedicated to praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours, the prayer of the Church. The Liturgy of the Hours is prayed each day, starting with the Office of Readings at 5.30 a.m. and ending with night prayer at 8 o'clock p.m. So whether you're an individual or a group, schedule your visit today. Go to liturgyofthehours.org or call 814-676-1910. That's 814-676-1910. We would love to help you experience the Liturgy of the Hours and discover the prayer that will change your life. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at lifesightnews.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved family, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, I can't tell you how thrilled I am to be with you and that we can communicate this way. Um, I know there have been many days recently where I've not been able to um, be on the program live and we've had to run a number of encores. And I apologize to all of you for that. Um, many, many things have come in the way of my being live every morning, but um, it, it really appears that we'll be able to be together pretty steadily from now on. Once in a while, we'll need to run an encore, but um, I think um, uh, all the interferences are are okay now come to a stop i pray so pray with me that we could be live every morning um i'm so grateful for this uh live site news has been permanently banned from youtube and other social media platforms um i bless god for the station of the cross uh, without whom we wouldn't be on radio or live site news it's it's the station of the cross who invited me to be on their station when I was put off um, other radio programs because um, people are afraid of speaking the clear truth. It's not that they necessarily disagree with it, but we're in a very time, we're at a time where fear, we're 
where priests and bishops and lay people, they're just fearful. And um, they stay away from trouble. And I, you know, I, I want to meet it because we have to deal with it and we have to live with it and we have to be witnesses in it, not by hiding, not by not speaking the full truth, um, not by, as some say, a vanilla Catholicism. So we need, we have, dear ones, we have... I've said it before, I don't know how to say it more clearly, we have what the entire world needs. We have more than any people on the face of the earth. I, for one, am exceedingly happy that we are alive in this time and that we have these forms of communication. Um, All I do is sit here at my desk in Beloit, Kansas, and uh, because of LifeSite News and Station of the Cross, uh, there's a little bit of equipment here that we can reach each other through. It's just so, I can't tell you how thrilling it is to me. I can't, the only thing that would be better if there was a ladder tall enough to get to the moon and shout to the whole world from a megaphone. That's the only thing that could be better. This is so, I feel so honored and so privileged and so chosen by God to know the truth, to have the truth, to believe the truth, to have the freedom yet to speak the truth. Um, We're all in that same situation, beloved. We must not hide. We have what the world um, needs. We have what every soul needs. And how do we evangelize the world? We start, as I've said too many times to count, by living as if it's true. By living as if it's true. What does that mean, living as if it's true? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is stop going to, to restaurants and stores and stop acting like the world on Sunday. Don't go to church and then change to sporting clothes and, and go out and have a good time in the world. Don't do it. Let us retreat from the world and worship God on Sunday, the day the Lord of the Sabbath rose from the dead. Is Sunday the Sabbath? No. It is our day of rest. The Sabbath was Saturday given to Israel. But the Lord of the Sabbath rose from the dead on Sunday. And the people of Israel, um, who always worshipped on the Sabbath, um, changed the day of Sabbath from the, from the uh, last day of the week to the first day of the week, which is Sunday, which is the day the Lord. Read 1 Corinthians, Paul. Um, you'll see Paul uh, gathering the Israelites who believe in the Messiah and they worshiped on the day he rose from the dead um, and broke bread together, which is the Eucharist. It's all from the first days of the early church on. It's just so wonderful. And one of the things um, that I, I pray it's God who's filled my heart to do anything my heart is filled with. If it's good, I, I, it's from God. Uh, we could do nothing apart from him is to read the letters of the early church fathers. Right in the first century, uh, Polycarp, who was discipled by John the Evangelist and Ignatius and all of them who lived in the first century, who lived with the apostles, were taught by the apostles. We can, sh- we can trust what they have written, but it was a time of persecution. Uh, now, I would say, I can't judge that, but no less than now. 
the Jews were persecuted, the Jews were the first Christians, i.e. followers of Christ. That's what a Christian is. I-A-N is the suffix that means belonging to. They were Christians, uh, just as someone is a Smithian because they belong to Smith. The Smithonians they belong to the museum of the Smithsonian, uh, whatever the initial name was, but it means belonging to, it's a suffix. And Christ is the, um, the Greek title, uh, Christos, uh, translated into English, is Christ, but Christos came from um, Mashiach in Hebrew, Messiah in English. It is the English word for Messiah, and the Jews who didn't believe mocked the Jews who did believe in this man who called himself the way, the truth, and the life. And they said, you're, 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 you're his followers, you're his slaves, you are Christ. Again, he was called so in Greek, Christos, and they tacked on belonging to, you're his slaves, you are Christians. And that's when they were first called, the book of Acts says, Christians, or became Christians, same spelling, same word, Christians in Antioch. They were first called Christians in Antioch. I think that's, I think it was around the year 110. I'm not exactly sure, but right there in the first century, the beginning of the second century. And so the persecution, since the Christians, was since the Jews, Jesus came to his own, the Jews, and it was the Jews who were to go into um, the whole world and preach from Judea to Jerusalem to Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. They were to be a light to the Gentiles. They were given that vocation in the Old Testament, but they didn't live it. And now... Uh, Acts chapter 1, with the power of the Holy Spirit come upon them, they can now live that vocation. Um, And they were to go out and be the evangelizers for the world. And if anyone thinks the Jewish people failed, not so. If you're a Catholic today, it's proof that they didn't fail, that the gospel did go out to the four corners of the the earth, and every one of them was martyred, put to death, except for St. John, who was exiled to the island of Patmos. He wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote uh, later than the other three Gospels. He wrote uh, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He wrote the book of Revelation. Um, And um, he wrote the book that would tell us about the times we're living in now, the the beginning of the end. Is it the, 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 the end times began with Jesus on the cross? Um, but we are at the beginning of the end of the end times. Uh, I believe that. Are we at the very end? Uh, No, Um, because still there needs to be, there's coming upon us still a greater persecution. And then there's going to be a time when Our Lady's Immaculate Heart will triumph, truly. And there'll be a time of peace um, and great things that have been prophesied. Um, And then the end will come. But it doesn't look like it'll be in our lifetime. Um, But we're beginning to live through it in our lifetime. Um, The the great apostasy that was uh, prophesied in Scripture, uh, where men's hearts would grow cold and greedy and bishop against bishop and, and false teachers would enter the church, we're living it. We're living it. 
um, I read every day in the news where another bishop defects from the faith. Another bishop agrees with LBGTQ um, and invites them. Uh, another bishop um, pleads for the blessing of same-sex unions and uh, has priests put out who dare to teach the truth. It's happening day by day by day by day. We hear about those bishops because they, when a good priest is put out, uh, we hear about it in the news. Um, what we hardly hear about are the wonderful bishops that do teach the faith um, and do protect their people uh, and do protect the faith. And the great problem with many is the silence that they keep. Um, and I can't judge anyone's soul or heart, but I know that um, the the um, uh, statement that uh, Edmund Burke is famous for is that the only thing needed for evil to persist is for good men to remain silent. And so if we remain silent, beloved, if we keep to ourselves, um, we are guilty. We are guilty because what we have is given to us from God and is not to be kept to ourselves. I've, I've repeated um, previously the statement of Father Stan Fortuna, who's with the um, Friars of the Renewal, uh, that Bishop, not Bishop, but uh, Father Benedict Rochelle founded. He said, if, um, if we keep the gospel to ourselves, we are thieves. We are thieves because nothing is given to us for our own salvation alone. It is given to us for our salvation that we may be emissaries, missionaries, messengers to a lost world that desperately needs the gospel. If you see a building on fire, I just saw a news report quickly this morning that a building, huge building, collapsed in, in Florida and many, many, many are yet under the rubble. It's just awful. Well... Who, if, if the building's collapsing, who, who knows the passage out wouldn't say, follow me, come this way, get out of this room, do this, do that. Who wouldn't say that? Who would just go and escape themselves and not sound the alarm? And, and that's what we're dealing with today. We have the gospel. And the physical death is not an issue. But the death of the soul, the separation from God, is the issue. If we're attacked or we have a tornado that kills us, if we're in a state of grace with God, then we go into eternity prior to the time we may have wished or thought, but we go into eternity with God, which was our destiny. But if we're in a state of mortal sin, beloved, um, there's no hope. There's absolutely no hope, which is why I don't hesitate to beg you, beg you, that if you are not in a state of grace, if you are living with a spouse or a partner so-called who is not your spouse, you must repent. If you die in your sleep tonight, you will be in hell. Um, there's no other thing. There's no second chance. Purgatory is only for those who are, quote, unquote, saved, who are, uh, who are in a state of grace and yet have temporal sins that need to be atoned for. But the eternal sins that separate us from God have been paid for and you've received them because you've gone to confession. Don't go to sleep tonight without knocking on a priest's door and going to confession. It's a very, very dangerous path to take. 
There's the music for our break, beloved. And the next half hour is ours for your calls, your texts, your email. Go ahead and begin now, if you wish, to call in toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture. Or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day. And we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustain Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustain life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations Thank you for helping to save the culture. Podcasts of our network-produced shows are free for your listening pleasure at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. Be uplifted in your faith and inspired to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on our iCatholic Radio mobile app. This is Father Frank Pavone of Priests for Life. All scripture teaches the sacredness of human life. We do not have to look only at the specific passages that speak about the unborn child. Rather, the great biblical themes of the dominion of God over human life and the fact that we are our brother's keeper are present throughout the Bible. These are the themes that challenge us to be a culture of life. This is Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am so happy to be with you. And as I said just before the break, this is our half hour together. And I'm so thrilled. And again, you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. It doesn't have to be anything we are speaking about. The heart of the matter, as I always say, is the matter of your heart. And so call in toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can also text at that toll-free number. Um, Let me see. Now, we have an email from Roman, R-O-M-A-N, Roman. He's from Melbourne, Australia. Hi, Roman. And he says, hello, Mother Miriam. I remember everything since I was four, and I have had a terrible life. I am 47 now. I find it hard to forgive people who have hurt me, from my father to school teachers and students, workmates, bosses, and family members. If it was one person, it might be easy. 
but hundreds of people, it's very hard. Any advice? I do have uh, some advice for you, dear Roman. Um, And I also want to um, say that um, it may not be any more difficult for you to forgive one person than a hundred. Because an injury that is life-changing um, and piled one upon a one, uh, one upon another is very, very, very difficult. I'm going to tell you a personal story, Roman, and I know that thousands of people will be listening to this, if not millions, it's okay. It will be millions um, through uh, between the station, the cross, and LifeSite News, but it's how I learned to forgive. Uh, growing up, there were at least two people in my life, I'm just going to say this, I wasn't a Christian yet, that I wanted dead. And they deserve to die. But, you know, so do we. Who hasn't deserved to die? One sin is enough to separate us from God for all eternity. But there were two particular people that I used to imagine how they could die. Um, I didn't have the nerve to put them to death, but I used to imagine how they could die going under a truck or something like that. You say, Mother Miriam, not you. Yes, 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 me. Yes, yes. And then I gave my life to Christ. And it's it's a bit of a story. Uh, but I'm going to tell you this because uh, Roman and people like him are consumed with uh, being wounded and injured that they can't get free from. And um, it's an awful, painful way to live life and never, ever even reach your potential or be free or truly be able to love others. And so I gave my life to Christ. And I don't think I've ever said this publicly, but one morning um, I woke up and it was shortly after I gave my life to Christ. I was an evangelical Protestant at the time. And I was on cloud 10. I was so unbelievably thrilled that I, of all people, I knew God. People would say, what are you so happy about? I said, I know God. I know God. I have a reason to live. They said, what's your reason? I know God. They said, you know God? What's that? You know God? I said, it's everything. So one morning I woke up and I had something. It was just an awful, awful feeling. And I knew that I was the worst person that ever lived. That's it. My judgment. And it wasn't necessarily because of what I did. It wasn't particular sin or sins that I had in mind or that I had done, not that I hadn't done sins all my life, but it wasn't that. It it wasn't particular sins. It what I was. I was sin. It's what I was. And the fact is, I knew I deserved to die. Now I'm a Christian. And I lived in a one-room apartment, and from the bedroom, right through the living room, was my kitchen. And I could see a little galley at a little... A counter where there were uh, stools. I lived by myself. Two stools like breakfast stools on one side, and on the other side of the breakfast counter was a little galley with the kitchen, and there were it was a drawer of silverware and knives. And as I lay in bed on the other side of the apartment, I looked toward the kitchen, and I, I'm going to announce this on radio. I don't think I was demon possessed, but I certainly think that the that the um, the devil or his minions were after me because um, I only wanted to give my whole life to God and I thought I just had. 
And that's, they're not interested in that. And so I needed to do away with myself. I needed to be done away with. That's all I knew. And I was afraid to get out of bed because I was afraid I'd go over to the kitchen, put a knife through me. I've never done anything like this. But that was my thought. And I said, I can't get out of bed. It was Monday morning. I was supposed to go to work. I didn't call in work. I didn't do anything. I went back to sleep to be safe. I wouldn't get out of the bed. And I woke up two or three times during the day. Same thing. This awful, awful, I don't even want to call it a cloud. It was heavy. I was the worst person in the world who ever lived. And I deserved to die. And I just kept going back to sleep. Finally, about five o'clock in the day, I didn't call a soul, five o'clock in the day, I needed to get out of bed. And so I got out of bed and I went over. Um, I needed to get out of bed just to use the restroom and that kind of thing. I was still in my pajamas. And I walked over to that counter across the apartment and I sat down on the breakfast stools on the other side of the counter from the drawer with all the knives, thinking I have to do away with myself. But I was sitting on that stool thinking, I, 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 I'm capable of doing this, I think, and but I can't dare let myself go near that drawer. I, again, I've never done this in my life or had something like this. And I'm sitting at the counter, the most miserable person in the world, knowing that nobody was more miserable than I am. Uh, Not self-pity, just sinful. I deserve to die. And all of a sudden, a um, liquid grace, the only thing I could say. Do you remember when you were, some people of you, when you were children, and you used to play cracking an egg, an invisible egg over people's heads and doing this to play with them as if the egg was running down? That's what I felt. I felt as if a, a grace poured down physically over my head, through my body. Now, I know this is an individual experience, and I don't normally make this known, but I'm doing it for Roman's sake, because Roman is suffering every day of his life, and he needs to be freed. I was suffering every day of my life. I didn't have a reason to live. It's really awful, and... I was wounded, like Romans wounded, like so many of us are wounded. So, physically, it felt like liquid grace through my head, into my arms, down into every finger, through my entire body, into my toes. And I just melted, physically, liquid grace through every inch of my body, and I just melted. And... I began to cry because I had no emotion before. It was too awful. I couldn't cry, zero. But now I began to cry and sob and sob and sob and sob. Sitting at that kitchen counter, still on the breakfast stools on the other side of the galley with the drawers. And I just sobbed. And then I thought of the two people I wanted dead. They, they should be dead. But then I realized it's too late. They're already dead. They were already died, both of them for medical causes. They've already died. And now what do I do? It wasn't good enough that they've died. I wanted them to, I wanted them deader. I wanted them to come alive so they could die again and suffer again and again and again. So I was, I was depressed. They're dead. It's too late. I can't make them suffer more. 
And then I thought of my sins against God. Did I participate in their sins toward me or any? No, zero, 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 no guilt, zero, zero, zero. But have, have I offended God all my whole life? Yes, 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 yes. And I realized that day, by the grace of God, that if we sin against a sinner, as people have sinned against me, they're sinning against a sinner. And I said, yeah, but, but their sins are really big. My sins are small. They're kind of respectable little tiny sins. <laughs> of course, that's insane, but that's what I was thinking. My sins are, you know, they're acceptable. They're small, but their sins are really, really big. And then I thought, my sins are small, which is stupid for me but to say, but that's in comparison. That's what I was thinking. But I have sinned. They sinned against a sinner. Not in those instances or anything, but they sinned against a sinner. Christ died for me. He died for sin. But I, in my little, tiny, acceptable sins, I'm speaking foolishly, have sinned against an all-holy God. So that means my tiny little respectable sins, there's no such thing, of course, against an all-holy God are greater than someone's unbelievable, heinous, huge sins against me. I knew that. I knew that. And so if I could be forgiven, if God has forgiven me, Who am I, Roman, and others, to not forgive those who have sinned against me? Jesus on the cross looked straight at the people who nailed him to the cross, who spit on him, who mocked him, who killed him. And he said on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. I read that and I said, yes, they knew what they did. They put the nails in him. They nailed him to the cross. They they did all this stuff to him. They beat him. They whipped him. They... They put a crown of thorns on his head, so the blood dripped down. They knew what they did, but Jesus said they didn't. What is he talking about? And it is because sin is blind. And the Apostle Paul said, if they knew that he was the king of glory, they would not have crucified him if they knew who he was, because sin is blind. And so I said, okay, those who sinned about me, against me scarred me for life, indeed, we're wounded, and, and we're, we, it's rare that we don't uh, remember those things or are affected by, by them through life. Um, and then I thought, but I sinned against an all-holy God who was nailed to the cross, and he said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they do. How could he say that? Because sin is blind. Sin is blind. And I thought, okay, if... And and if my sin, if the sins, if the sin against me formed scars that I bear the rest of my life, what about Jesus? What about Jesus? The scriptures say when we get to heaven, we will see a lamb as if slain. So my acceptable, respectable sins, which is stupid language, but if I compare myself with other sinners, we're tempted to think we're not that bad. Oh, no. The slightest sin against God separates us for all eternity and was the cause of his death. And he will bear the scars that we caused for all eternity. The lamb slain.
<clears throat> so I thought, if God can forgive those awful people who sinned against me and scarred me for life and changed my life and changed the course of it, if God can forgive them, am I greater than God? If God could forgive me, oh, I know he could forgive me, but them? If God for- can forgive them, who am I not to forgive them? Am I greater than God? And I knew that we pray, forgive us, as we forgive those who trespass against us. We pray to God. We tell him to forgive us as he has forgiven those who have offended us or sinned against us. If we don't forgive them, he's not going to forgive us, as we, rather, forgive those who have sinned against us. If we don't forgive them, we're asking God to not forgive us. This is pretty seriously. I needed to forgive them. I needed to forgive them. There's the music for our second break. And when we come back from the break, I'm going to tell you how I forgave them and what it did to my life. So I know we're spending a long time on Roman's email, but this is crucial. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. The Station of the Cross appreciates the generosity of our supporters. We are committed to keeping our donors' accounts up to date. If there have been changes made to your payment information, please call us so that we can update your account. 1-877-888-6279, extension 104. Or update your information online at thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for your generous support of Catholic Radio. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome. 
Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment um, uh, for today, and uh, you're still welcome to call in. We've got 10 minutes plus um, with anything on your heart, toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at com. We began this half hour with um, an email from Roman, a gentleman named Roman in Melbourne, Australia. I'm going to reread the email. Um, He says, I remember everything since I was four and have had a terrible life. I am 47 now. I find it hard to forgive people who have hurt me, from my father to school teachers, students, workmates, bosses, and family members. If it was one person, it might be easy, but hundreds of people, it's very hard. Any advice? So in response to Roman's email, Um, even just imagining the pain he lives with and the unhappiness he lives with and how much it, uh, what he's gone through and his inability to forgive um, has altered his life and keeps him in pain um, and reliving all those situations. I've been telling a very personal story of mine of how um, I wished a couple of people to be dead for years because of their sin against me and the scars it left and how it altered my life and how I wanted them dead and all of them they were already dead, but I wanted them deader. I wanted them to come alive again so they could die again and suffer more, all of that. <clears throat> and then I was telling how, by the grace of God, um, I began to realize that um, sin has not to do the heinousness of sin has not so much to do with the degree, with the this, but with the one sinned against. So if someone sins against me, they're sinning against a sinner. But I, a sinner, have sinned against an all-holy God. Even if I say, well, I'm not like them, not that bad, so what? Uh, whatever I do is still what separated me from God for all eternity. That's true of every single soul on the face of the earth. One tiny venial sin is enough to separate us from God. And so for eternity, apart from forgiveness and confession, and as we pray, um, uh, forgive us, we pray in the Lord's Prayer, as we as forgive us, Lord, as We're telling God how to forgive us as we forgive those who have sinned against us or trespassed against us. And so if we're not forgiving those who have sinned against us, we're telling God not to forgive us. There's no other conclusion to that. Um, We must, M-U-S-T, forgive. And how do we forgive? And the the process that I went through was realizing that um, their sin against me was great, But my small, acceptable sins against God, which I said is stupid, foolish language, no sin is small, um, um, is greater because I have sinned against an all-holy God. And if he can forgive them, which he can, um, and and I pray did, um, uh, who am I to not forgive them? Who am I? I put Jesus on the cross. I did. Our sins put him on the cross. If he forgave me, who am I to not forgive those who sin against me? No matter what the sin is, um, am I greater than God? So I realized I must forgive them. 
um, if Paul wrote to the Ephesians, forgive as God in Christ has forgiven you when there's no other motive. <clears throat> but they haven't recognized their sin. They haven't even admitted it. They haven't apologized. They haven't acknowledged it. In fact, they've denied it. So what? So what? We need to forgive. God died for us while we were yet in our sin. He didn't wait for us to get our act together. He didn't wait for us to apologize or acknowledge or confess. He died for us, Romans chapter 5, while we were yet in our sin. And we need to forgive them as God in Christ has forgiven us. What does it mean to forgive? Someone said, forgiveness is forgiving. It is letting the sinner off the hook. It is saying, yes, you deserve death. Yes, 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 yes. But, and, and God's justice must be met. God's justice must be met. And so before the judge of the whole earth, before God, we deserve death, every one of us. And God said, you do. And I pass that sentence on you, the sentence of death. But I so love you, God, so love the world that he sent his only son to do what? To take our death, to take the sentence that we earned for our sin against God. God loved us enough and God said, the payment for sin is death. And that's what you've earned, death. But I love you so that rather than put you to death, I'm going to send my son to take your sin upon him and pay the death that you have earned. He is without sin, but he's going to become the sin offering for you because of my love. Because justice must be met. I'm a God of love, but I'm a holy God. And uh, my love cannot compromise my holiness any more than my holiness can compromise my love. So God, in his love, without compromising his holiness, um, executed his sentence for our sin by sending his son and putting us, him to death, in our stead, in our place. It's, it's just an incredible story. All the apostles died for it. They wouldn't die for a fairy tale. They wouldn't die for a made-up story. <clears throat> so Roman, dear... You must forgive them as God in Christ has forgiven you. Um, you must forgive them. You must even ask God's forgiveness for them. Um, and then say, Lord, <clears throat> because you're Catholic, you can now offer your scars, your pain. It's redemptive suffering. You suffer. Say, okay, I'll let them off the hook, Lord, the way you let me off the hook, the way you forgave me and let me off the hook and didn't carry out my sentence, but you bore my sentence for me, I'll do the same. I'll say, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And I guess I thought they did know what they did, but they didn't because they were stupid and sinful and blind. So now you are left with the scars, just as Jesus is. What do we do with those scars? We offer them up, that beautiful Catholic expression. What does it mean to offer them up? Roman dearest, you take every single abuse, you take every single sin, every single horror uh, that was perpetrated on you, every single injustice, and you say, Lord Jesus, I take it, and I ask you to take it. I give it to you. I join it with your cross for the salvation of souls for uh, my salvation, for the salvation of the people I love, for the salvation of people in China who I'll never meet, whatever it is. Give it all to God. Take your suffering 
and say, Lord Jesus, take it. I'm joining it to your cross for you to use for the salvation or the healing or whatever it is of whoever you wish or however God wants to use it. And then what? Are you, are you still left with memories and scars? If you're like me, yes, you are. But they no longer control you. They no longer, um, oh, death, where is thy sting? They no longer hinder you. They no longer uh, can determine your future. Every once in a while, or every day, whatever it is, the memories come back. And every time it hurts, I say, Lord, no, I gave it to you. I'm not taking it back. And I continue to offer it up to God. So I am free, and I trust that God who knows the end from the beginning, allowed these things. He didn't cause them, <clears throat> but he allowed them for, for good. And I was a jail chaplain for 10 years with awful stuff and awful suffering of women. And God, I could bless God for what he allowed me to go through in order that I could help those. The same thing with you, Roman. Trust God for what he allowed, the injustices, the wounds. Trust God for what he allowed in your life that you could be a healer to others because you truly understand what it is to be heard and rejected. God bless all of you, and we'll speak with you tomorrow.